All right, guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Scott and I are here for the episode we've both been wanting to share for so long. And I know a lot of you guys have reached out uh, for wanting to hear this episode. And today we're going to be diving into our refinance numbers. Yes, sir. We said at the start. We said we were going to do it from the start that this season we were going to learn as we went and we were going to share what we learned. Absolutely. So before we take a deep dive into all the specific numbers for the first four properties that we just got done refinancing yesterday, Mm -hmm. let's go back a little bit. Let's remind people what our strategy was Mm -hmm. for these four houses. And then we'll just kind of talk a little bit about the refinance process. Yeah. So we've talked about it a couple times, but let's recover uh, or, or recoup. So when we got into the buy and hold business, our whole idea was we wanted to be uh, as little into the properties personally as possible. And that's in part because we understood that cash flow is going to pay it back. And two, we understood that uh, we're younger. We want to keep that money to invest into our business. So we decided on going with the Burr strategy. It's been broken down a lot. Cade, just remind people what the Burr strategy is. Yeah, so the Burr strategy stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, Refinance. and repeat. So breaking down those steps just a little bit. Buy, obviously purchase the property in distressed condition, something that needs repairs, something that's value add. Let's go through our situation. Okay, perfect. So these four properties, coming from an older landlord tenants have been in there for a while properties neglected are properties very neglected yeah so we go in and we purchase these four distressed properties yeah and the benefit with these properties is we purchased them in a pack with the intention of following through on this plan yep so we were able to negotiate a good decent price where we knew or we didn't know but we assumed with a lot of research that we had the ability to add value Absolutely. And that leads us into our next step, which is rehab. So it can be, in theory, really difficult to rehab four properties that we bought with tenants in them. Yeah. So why don't we recoup a little bit what happened with most of the tenants? Yeah. So we for these four properties, so just for full disclosure, we've only refinanced half of our portfolio at this point. But for the first four properties, uh, we had to, for different reasons, move tenants out. The interesting thing was most of the time they moved out before we even knew. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there was only, we've only had one tenant we've had to evict and or actually kick out. Mm-hmm. The rest moved on their own. On this case, we had three different tenants move out by themselves. Uh, one while we were in escrow, one shortly after we purchased the property and he wasn't making payments. And then another was, uh, uh, oh, that one was a kick out where we had to actually kick somebody out yeah. for uh, both non-payment and, and also neglect. And neglect. extreme neglect of the property. So we did have to remove three of the four tenants. The cool thing was the last tenant um, has gotten all the repairs she wanted yeah. and has not had almost any significant rent increase. And she's maintained our property and we in turn take care of her paid on time never missed a month and at that pays point, in advance sometimes it, exactly so yeah, nothing she's a good tenant nothing to trip out about on our end um after that first r rehab next r we have rent well let's talk about the rehabs real quick because they okay. were a little different than we expected yeah when we purchased <laughs> we kind of think we were thinking like somewhere in the ballpark of like five to six k uh-huh. each right yeah and 
after we finished, we realized that uh, we had overborrowed on another deal to help pay for the or repairs. We still had to bring money into these deals, and we've ended up putting how much into these four houses? Yeah, so we... The ones that we fully remodeled were a lot more. Fully remodeled. So that one with the tenant who's been in there from the start has always paid. We haven't done really any increases at all. Um, miscellaneous repairs and stuff, we're sitting at 3300 in repairs. And the 3300 was really to get her caught up from a bad living situation yeah. from the last landlord. Yeah, absolutely. So we were kind of pulling the slack from the older, the old landlord. Yeah. Um, which it is no trip out on our part, right? Because we want to make sure at, at least the tenant's living in a safe environment that right. they appreciate, right? We don't right. want to... We're not slumlords. We don't want to be slumlords. And we found that also, in my opinion, I think we've really noticed the quality difference in tenants taking care of our property when we've taken care of them. Absolutely. Like when we go and repair stuff, they are more inclined to take care of our property than if we let it go. Yep. And then for these other three properties, the remaining three properties where the tenants got out, we were able to go in and fully rehab, fully remodel these things up to be able to get them up to market rent. We spent about $11,000 on each of those three properties mm -hmm. to go in, and that included new flooring, carpet, tile in the kitchen, um, new countertops, uh, redoing bathrooms. the bathrooms. So basically doing everything and getting it up to re really nice shape for yeah. new renters. Yeah, and it was funny because we, really, we only had one bad experience with the tenants leaving. Yeah. Most of the time they left cordially, and it was really easy. We had one tenant who fought us on the way out, caused some extra damage, but... Even then, really, the rehab cost was about the same, which is a sign to me that, like, you know, each property had its own problems. With one, we had to put on the roof. Otherwise, we would have been in that three to or the five to six K price point. Yeah. You know, um, Sheridan, we didn't realize how large it was compared. You know, we didn't realize that that whole upper section needed to get redone too. the whole yeah. second floor. Uh -huh. You know, to me, I think that was something that maybe we could have done better was estimating different rehab costs. Yeah. But we add a lot of value and it definitely did what it needed to do. Absolutely. So that takes us into our next R, which is rent. And I think this is also a really important point to make for this four pack that we bought. Yes. Not only were they distressed when we first bought them, but they were significantly under market rent. Yeah. So that rehab and rent, those two R's tie in mm -hmm. uh, like tying together very heavily because we go the in condition is a really important part of getting the rent. Absolutely. Going in and increasing the condition. Now, as a result, we can go in and bump the rent significantly. Mm -hmm. So we'll take a deep dive into those four numbers, but uh, it was at least a couple hundred bucks on, on each of those that we remodeled. Yeah. And the other part was that like, depending on like the weather that affected the rentals a lot. I don't know if you remember, but mm -hmm. when we went to go rent out one of them, <laughs> it was during the Texas cold freeze. Yeah. Well, that was hitting everywhere throughout the country and Indiana was like snowed in <laughs> and we only had two applicants on that yeah. one, but we still got the rent we wanted. So yeah. it worked out. Yep. And then next R, which is what this whole episode is about is refinance. Get them out. So, Let's talk about the refinance process a little bit. I remember we were a couple, not even a couple weeks ago, probably more recently than that. Cause we were like, we're literally in the home stretch. How long has this process really been? And I remember we went and we saw when we shot off our first email and it was, do you remember when it had to been in like April, 
Yeah, I looked and it was like March, er, early March was our very first email to get this refinance process started. And we closed yesterday, which was August August 5th. Let's deep dive, though, really into why it took so long. Yeah. Because to anybody listening, you should know that that's not a normal refinance. No. 60 days is a more realistic refinance time frame. Uh huh. There were a couple of things that made our loans particularly difficult. And we'll go point by point through each one. Yeah. Um, start it off. So the very first part of this refinance process, um, as you guys know, banks don't just loan out money to anybody. You've got to gather your documentation. You've got to gather your pay stubs, your uh, tax record, ta- your tax uh, return. Yeah, your tax returns for the two previous years. Um, pay stubs, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on and on. It's so more than you would think. We, I remember in the first time we got access to the portal to upload all of our documents, we, we must have spent an hour and a half, two hours that first day just uploading all those documents for the first time. And because of all these delays, we ended up updating documents and throwing Three in new times. documents three separate times COVID plays a part too because banks stop allowing docs to last 180 days or something they got shortened to like 60 days or 30 days or something really short and remember the second time so keep this in mind too guys when you are doing all this stuff in the refinance process you do um, have a soft inquiry on your credit so both of us had that first inquiry and then again another delay so we cro- we passed the number of days that was allowed to keep that credit report. So then we had to get another credit inquiry done. And I'll disclose yes. that I don't use my credit cards almost ever. I, I kind of live off of the cash idea. And my credit score <laughs> fell three points. But that three points was extremely important because the lower score made it so we couldn't get the loan. Yep. So I had to put a $10 Starbucks card or a Starbucks charge on my card and let it sit for a month and then register and then they were going to pull our credit again and so that was a delay our tax returns were the biggest delay because covid because of a whole bunch of stuff Uh our accountants for different reasons recommended that we hold off filing our taxes until about may and so we can admit that 60 days of the delay are directly due to because it made financial sense for us to delay. Yes. Yes. But you know, that slowed down our refinance process significantly because then from there, then my credit score situation and then, uh, pay stubs and tax returns and P and L's and incorporation docs, letters of explanation, lots of letters (laughs) of explanation. All those led to delays that led to, our file being fairly complicated in a market that doesn't have very many lenders as it was. And I think probably the biggest part of this too is, well, I had, I've had a W two for the past, you know, four years or whatever it is. So I had that documentation, but typically if you're a self employed individual, it's, a lot more difficult of a file to put together mm-hmm. if you're going and buying a house or doing a refinance. So that's where a lot of all the nitpicky stuff came back to for like the P and L for the business mm-hmm. and letters of Letter explanation for, for deposits, commission checks going in and all that stuff. So it was just a whirlwind uh, it was. of a lot of delays, a lot of stuff, but we finally got everything turned back in 
enclosed yesterday. Enclosed out. <laughs> the two things I want to bring up. Yeah. One, in the middle of our uh, re, uh, burr strategy, pretty much, in uh-huh. the middle of our repairs section, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac changed their uh, portfolio requirements, and they went from being able to have 9% of their loans as investment loans to 7%, and it artificially dropped the supply of lenders in a market where most banks won't loan our loan amounts for the rates that we were asking for. And what happened is our rates shot up right away, which pushed us a little bit closer to an issue uh, when it came to cash flow. But also, the lenders were really picky, like really, really picky. And it came down to like even insurance had to do five Mm -hmm. different rounds of insurance to show different things because they kept adding more requirements. And so, you know, each step of that, led to issues. The only other thing I really want to bring up in this section is we could not have gotten through this if it was not for Aaron and her team yeah. who were referred to us <laughs> and they took care of a lot of stuff. I mean, we called through oh how many banks, how many credit unions to try to find a loan. This was the only person willing to pick up these terrible files yeah. to make pennies on the dollar. Yeah. It was really an act of charity work that they even worked with. Absolutely. And I think we mentioned this before too. It's funny. You mentioned calling through all the credit unions. I remember us sitting down literally, uh, on Google maps or on Google, putting in credit union and seeing all the red dots on the Google map and literally calling every Every single single credit union and everybody going, no, we can't do a loan that low. We can't do this. We can't do that. We We, won't do it. Blah, 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 blah. And then we find Aaron by God's grace through a referral <laughs> through a referral and fi- and get everything dialed in. No, we truly owe Aaron a lot and, and we couldn't recommend her more. Um, we definitely had moments where we probably scared her because we, <laughs> we would send a question that to her made no sense, but to us seemed to make sense. And, yeah. you know, she worked with us. She was super patient and honestly, like they took really good care of us, even if there were delays on our part and on their part. Yeah. Okay, so that leads us into the last R of the burst strategy, which is repeat. Um, we've obviously we did this simultaneously for four properties. Uh, repeat obviously means go out and do it again. So um, I think we've got plans to pick and choose which ones uh, that we plan to do the burst strategy with, both uh, current rentals that we still have. And obviously anything else that we offer that we're making. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, running numbers with, with kind of that strategy at the forefront. So um, that wraps up the burst strategy in total. We talked about our refinance process. Um, let's take a deep dive into the numbers for each four. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So let's start out with Meadow. So Meadow was a property um, where originally it, w- it was one of those problematic tenants. We didn't really get a good peek at it, mm-hmm. um, but we borrowed how much? So let's start with purchase. purchase. So we purchased purchase. all four of these properties for a total of, of one twenty five. Yes. Okay. 30, so 31, th- 250 a piece. So we, yes, we borrowed $31,250 for each house on Meadow. We didn't get a great view of the home. But what I distinctly remember from visiting was in the backyard, the roof was concave. Yeah. There was an issue with the roof. Somebody (laughs) had fallen trying to scrape snow off the roof. Yeah. Which 
thank God that didn't happen to us because that is an insurance liability out the wazoo. Yes. But we ended up having to do a new roof and completely gut the inside. Yeah. So we ended up going through on the way out. One of the tenants took a poop in the living room or in the tub or something like that. Like they really took advantage of the situation, but we ended up using material from some of our other turns and we got our cost down and we only spent 11,000 fixing it up. Yep. So at that point we're 43,000 or no 42,250 into the property. Yes. And we ended up getting it appraised. It appraised for uh Meadow appraised for I believe 58. Uh do I have it on here? I don't. So yeah, so it appraised for a high enough number that we ended up being able to borrow and pull a little bit of cash out. Yes. The key is, by the way, is that not all these properties performed how we wanted. And we adjusted our loan amounts to address really problems and to maximize our cash out. Yeah. So our goal is to maximize cash out of pocket. Yep. So what did that end up turning into? So purchase price we're at thirty one two fifty. Rehab costs we were at eleven. Mm-hmm. And so that leads us into our rent increase. So rent when we first bought Meadow was five hundred and fifty dollars to rent a two bedroom, one bathroom house. So yeah. the old tenant was paying $550 a month. And so, it's in a really nice neighborhood yes. comparative. Yeah. Know, comparatively to, to a lot of the rentals we own, or even in one of the better tenant neighborhoods of Indiana. So after we go in, we spend 11 K fixing it all up. And I think for Meadow, we're at $900 in rent. Yep. So we go from $550 bump it all the way up to $900. Yep. And that leaves us with what is that difference? 350? Three, oh, 350 for 350. the rent. Yeah, for a rent increase. Perfect. So we spent 11k for a $350 a month rent increase. And we built in oh, almost yeah. t- what? 10, 12, 15 grand in equity. Yeah. I don't remember off the top of the head what it appraised for, but yeah, I think it was 58 sounds right. Yeah. So, you know, we're in it for 42250 and we refinance it, but it appraises for 58. Well, that money in between was money that we made up without having to put cost in. Mm-hmm. So, that was really important. That's what allows us to get money back out. Yep. And so, like you mentioned, Meadow was the one where we pulled out the most cash back. So, we pulled out $4,703.12 tax free. Tax free, and that's to go fund our business account. Yes, because we did have to put money into these properties. Yep. Now, what I will say is, we still cash flow three hundred and fifty-one dollars a month, which is stupid. I mean, for a loan amount of thirty-two thousand, uh, or, we borrowed on Meadow 42000 40, $42, for us to still be able to have a three hundred and fifty dollar a month uh, cash flow. That's stupid, and that's accounting for taxes and insurance maintenance and repairs, vacancies and capital expenses, and property management. Yeah. I mean, that's not like the first number. Then no. you minus those after. Like, this is after that. This is accounting for – that's after accounting for the unexpected. Right. That that could happen. That couldn't happen. Our monthly deposit's a lot closer to 700 Yeah. <laughs> Which is absolutely nuts. It's bonkers. Nuts. It's the difference between <laughs> this being a decent property and being a great investment property. Yeah. Um. All right, so that's Meadow. We cash out the most amount of cash out of between these four, uh, almost five thousand dollars. 
and we're cash flowing, you said, around 350 bucks for this mm -hmm. house every single month. Every month. It's all fixed up. We've got a really great tenant in there. And barring any anything crazy, uh, that's a great freaking monthly deposit every month. Yeah. Great cash flow. Yeah. So next, um, Wellington. Should we, should, do we want to save Wellington for last or just do Wellington second? Sure. Let's do Wellington. Okay. Let's talk about the not so great. So Wellington yeah. was the property that didn't get fully remodeled because yep. the tenant was paying. This was a little different of a burst strategy because we didn't go through and do a full update and remodel the way that we would have done for any other property. This house totally has the opportunity to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But currently, we didn't see that it made sense for us to kick out a family that was paying on time, that had been paying on time, that had been taking care of the property. To us, we felt like it made sense to keep them because, honestly, there were cash flow issues with having four vacant properties at a time. Yeah. So purchase the property for the same price. 31250 We only put in $3,300, which is a big difference than eleven. Yeah. <laughs> but that only puts us at $34,500. Yeah. And do you remember what the appraisal came, came back in at for Wellington? It was not fun. No. So do you remember Wellington, exactly what it was? I, I do. So we're all in for uh, 30, on Wellington 345 and the appraiser went out there and said Wellington was only worth $29,000 as it stands which is tough and at the end of the day I we we adamantly disagree because we've we've seen what $30,000 properties look like yeah but what we'll also say is that we were blessed with the fact that the appraiser was at least consistently uh, inaccurate in the sense yeah. that we had one property come in low, yes, but we had another property come in high, and we'll talk about that. But that's why our loan to value, the way that we borrowed, is yeah. kind of all over the board. I mean, we have two properties that we borrowed 40 plus. We have two properties, or one property we borrowed like almost nothing on. Yeah, It was all to pay out our private money lender and to maximize cash out. Yeah. So on this one, what did we end up borrowing? Our uh, mortgage. We end up borrowing our mortgage on Wellington is $20,000. And our rent got increased 50 bucks. 50 bucks. So they're at 600 a month. Yeah. And you look at it, our monthly payment, you know, before taxes and insurance on that property is $118 a month. But we also got out what 150 bucks. Uh, cash back yeah. from that refinance, uh, $379. So we pulled out just shy of 400 bucks. So, you know, we look at all that. We ended up cash flowing $150 on a $600 rent. That's really a great job. Yeah. And we didn't really do a lot with that property. It, d no, that little to nothing besides bring it up to speed on be being a livable and being a, like a great house where the tenants are happy. And they don't have a bunch of new stuff in there like the other three, but they're happy. They have a new stove and stuff. I mean, oh, it's like yeah, we did give yeah. them some nice stuff. Absolutely. The, the other part to it is we had to borrow more on other properties because we owed 35000 in debt on that house. Mm -hmm. And we only borrowed 20000 So from the other properties, we over-borrowed yeah. over the amount that we paid. And we put that towards this Wellington. Yeah. Had we had all four like this? Uh, where are all four like our other properties, I guarantee we would have pulled out significantly more amount of money. I agree. And we would have borrowed less mortgage-wise. Yeah. 
So that really shows you guys the stark difference between something that we fully rehabbed and fully remodeled. That you followed to the T. That we got, that we followed the burst strategy to a T, that we increased rent on. So the first example you went over, $350 a month cash flow. Mm-hmm. Wellington, we're sitting at $150 cash flow. Yeah. Which, like we were saying, isn't great. They pay on time. Um, at, until something pops up, we're going to just keep taking that 150 bucks. And when and when that family leaves, if they ever leave, yeah. which full disclosure, <laughs> I don't think they probably will. Yeah, <laughs> um, they've been there for a long time. If they ever leave, we've been maintaining the property, so the turn will be a lot cheaper. Yeah, because we're taking care of stuff now. We're not going to have to take care of it all at once. So instead of it being like an eleven thousand dollar fix up, it's mm-hmm. going to be closer to like a five thousand dollar fix up. Yeah, and then if we want to go refinance it again, we could. We can. Yep. All right, so that takes us into our next house, which is Sheridan. So um, Sheridan, same purchase price as the others, all four, same purchase price. Re- same rehab budget. Same rehab as the first one, $11,000. So you're sitting at $42,250. Uh, $42, uh-huh. Um, the rent increase for Sheridan. So if I remember correctly, Sheridan, we bumped up to nine fifty. Because it's three bedrooms. Because it's three bedrooms. It's the biggest house that we own. So we it's were on a able, nice street. Yeah. Yeah. We in Sheridan, I remember looking at the pictures. Uh I, I really like how it it, it turned out. It turned out, out really, really nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um Sheridan before was also at like five fifty and yeah. rent. So we bumped that up four hundred bucks to nine hundred fifty dollars in rent. Mm-hmm. Um Sheridan was the one where we borrowed the most money that we had to make up for some of the slack from Wellington. Mm -hmm. So our loan amount on Sheridan is 48,750, which is a ridiculously high number, but we only were able to do that because it appraised for six or 65 K. Yeah. We also have a theory that Sheridan is the biggest, but it's also, it was vacant. Mm-hmm. We think that there's a uh, value in a property being vacant yeah. during the appraisal because yeah. no matter what tenant you get, they're going to be dirtier than than a completely empty house. Yeah. So that was something that we experienced was the only vacant house we had. All of the properties were redone the same way. The only difference was square footage on Sheridan's a little bit bigger and it was vacant, but it appraised for a lot more. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So the appraiser went and appraised all four properties on the same day. Uh, Meadow, Albert, and Sheridan. Or, all, uh, sorry. Uh, Meadow, Wellington, and Albert all had tenants in them. Sheridan was the one vacant one when appraised. Mm-hmm. And when we were looking at the comps way back when, when we were figuring out the burst strategy on these four, comps were showing us that meadow should be the one that by a lot highest by a lot yeah so i think that's an important thing that you noted and i think that our plan moving forward would be to try to match up the timing so that we do not re-rent out the property until after the uh the appraisal's done and in this case like our loan wouldn't allow for us to include the rent for that specific property anyways because kate and i neither of us at the time owned a personal residence Mm -hmm. so they have to assume that one of us is living there yeah so that was a big thing yeah um sheridan cashback was really slim uh for doing the refinance we got 157 dollars back mm-hmm. and what does that leave our cash flow for sheridan so our cash flow for sheridan is even borrowing almost fifty thousand dollars is still 
34 or $343 a month. Boom. So that's a ridiculous cash flow for that size of a loan. Yeah. You know, honestly, we're paying uh, $250 a month for that mortgage. Yeah. And we're renting for 950 minus insurance, taxes, property management, vacancies, repairs, everything to still cash flow 340 something. Yeah. Is a pretty pretty spectacular number in my opinion. Yeah, definitely beats what I would have expected. Absolutely, I and like we talked about a little bit before, that's after accounting for the unknowns. So the vacancies, if it ever pops up and it's vacant for three weeks a month while we're trying to find another tenant, stuff that can happen that we plan to happen but could not happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. All right, so that leaves us with our fourth and final property, the one that, if I'm not mistaken, gives us the best cash flow. And this is Albert. So Albert, same purchase price, $31,250. Rehab. Same rehab, $11,000 on the rehab. Rent increase, we bumped it up to the same as Meadow. They're at $900, or not, are they at $950 as well? They're at $900. $900. And... Our borrowed amount, our mortgage on Albert is 36K. 36K. Which translates to essentially $182 a month. It leads to our cash flow being at $382 a month. Yeah. It's a stupid amount. Almost $400 in cash flow. The value of that to me is crazy. The fact that if they miss a month, the the single month profit pays for two months of the mortgage is insane. Yeah. And we, so on this one, instead of pulling a little bit of cash back, we wrote a check for $150. Done. Any day. Done Any deal. day. With all the other properties paying us back 5K, yeah. I'm fine to write $150 to make that return. To cash flow almost $400, I will write a $150 check Every single time. Albert was a great example of how the burst strategy works. If every single property we buy works the same way as Albert, we'll be millionaires so fast. Yeah. So those are our four properties. Our total cash flow every single month between these four properties is $1,228 every single month. True net cash flow. Here's the other part that we never talk about. When we bought in Indiana, we knew that our borrowing was going to be a lot smaller number than California. You know, you buy a house here, it's 200K. There, it's our max purchases or our max borrowed amount is like 48. Yeah. One flip in town in California, one wholesale deal, a couple commissions. We could buy out these loans immediately. And then our cash flow is like four, five, seven, eight hundred dollars $800 a month per property her property that's just an insane figure to me and it's still insane when we're talking about the mortgage amounts you know i'm sure all of you guys are uh, familiar obviously with a mortgage you might have your own mortgage for the house that you live in you might be familiar with the amount your parents pay for their mortgage uh between 1500 2500 you know give or take for usually the lowest mortgages i hear here in town are like a thousand bucks and they're people that have smaller homes that bought And it paid off a lot and refinanced. Okay. So $1,000, the the bare minimum for a mortgage here in town. That's more um, than all four of those properties combined. Combined. Yeah. 
So we're talking about our mortgages being in the high $100 to in the $200 for yeah. a house that, that rents for 950. These these mortgages are less than each one of our car payments. They're less than combined they're less than my car payment. It's a different style of life. Yes. This is why this is why so many people need to listen to this kind of stuff. Because like, yes, did we put fifteen or seventeen K in each? Yes. Okay. Did we have to earn money to do that? Do we have to save money? Do we have to make sacrifices? I know there are times that you and I have both gone through where like we won't go get like any food for ourselves. Like we're like watching our gas expense, not currently, but like throughout our lives that we've had to sacrifice. Dude, for us to now, whether or not we work or not, we have 1200 bucks coming in from this is insane. Yeah. And the fact that if we hit a little bit of a strive of success, dude, we could go pay off these loans and just make stupid b- money. And who cares if you own that house outright? Comparatively, it's not like you're paying off a 200K loan. Yeah. I mean, the difference in value of a $200,000 investment in cash versus 40000 in cash it's a very big difference in viability to me. It's like, don't pay off your rentals here in town because that's 200 K that you needed to put into other stuff. But $40,000 is a rehab budget here Mm -hmm. for you to make almost a thousand dollars a month cash flow, just with these current mortgages. I mean, that means you pay it off. We're going to be making, you know, significantly more. Yeah. It's it's significantly more. It's bonkers. It's crazy. And I think that's a good point uh, and a point I want to emphasize, which is what we heard, which is to invest in assets. So the example that I th- I think we've both heard that I consistently hear is, um, you know, let's go out and buy the $50,000 BMW, right? Car payment is this, that, and the other, blah, 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 Six, blah, blah. 600 bucks. If you're, take- you're going to go spend $50,000 on a car, why not take that $50,000 and buy a rental or buy a package of rentals buy a package of rentals we have 30 something thousand in all eight of our properties combined yeah and not all of them are done and so we're only looking at four today and of these four we over borrowed on other stuff to make this happen but uh-huh. i mean like if you're savvy and you come talk to people like us just the way that we've gone and talked to people like jason yeah. you know and like other people that we know like we could guide you in how to use $50,000 into making a lot of money. Yeah. It's going to require a lot of work and sacrifice and we don't talk about it a lot, but a lot of like stress and headache, mm-hmm. but it's like, once you're done with the refinance process, it's smooth sailing. I mean, like now it's, you're just a landlord. I mean, it's like day to day emails and stuff like that. But I mean, to make 1200 bucks a month, I mean, that's pretty easy. Yeah. It's an easy decision. Yeah. And so, I'm excited. I'm super pumped. We've got four more properties right now um, to decide what we want to do with. I'm sure um, that we're going to be repeating this process for uh, a few of them, if not all of them. Um, I think we're going to flip one. Flip. That's right. And yes. if, and when we flip that one, we're going to share the experience because right now yeah. the margins aren't looking great. But just based off of what we want to do with the money. It makes sense to flip it. And that'll be our first flip out there in Indiana. It will be. Yeah. Managing from however many miles away, a full-on rehab, a full-on flip out there. Yeah. It'll be a fun experience, man. It'll, it'll be, be interesting. It'll be a good one to share. Yeah. Um, and then 
Now it's taking this and running with it. So we've Let's got the it. we've got the blueprint here. I think the value to us is we now we it. know what we it looks like. What, we know how, what it looks like. We know what works, and now we go out there for that final R in the burst strategy. Repeat, and repeat, repeat, that. repeat. Yep, that's it. Well, guys, we're super grateful you tuned in. We are so happy to share these kinds of figures with you guys. We're gonna try to post this as much as we can on social media to show yeah. as many people as we can what we can do. Um, at the end of the day, we share these numbers not to be braggadocious, not to be arrogant, but to be uh, as honest as possible so that you guys can see and make your own risk analysis and your own decisions. I know there's some conversation within our own sphere group about sharing numbers and sharing figures. Yeah. I think Cade and I will always stand by the fact that we want to help people. And if that means sharing the figures, even when we're uncomfortable and sharing losses like we have, yeah, we're going to do it. But today was some wins and we're really happy to express them. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. We can't wait to finish out this season on out-of-state investing. So thank you for tuning in to this episode where we talked about our refinances. And stay tuned for our next episode coming out next week. All right, guys. Talk to you soon.